We have a, uh, a list in the quarterback room. We call it the up-down list. <laughs> and uh, just throughout the offseason, throughout training camp, throughout the season, we'll just make a comment like, man, I'm, I'm way up on... <laughs> I'm way up on, you know, this play this week, or I'm, I'm down on this play. I don't like it. Well, then that turned into just, let's make a list. So Jake is our scribe. He's got a list in front of him here. Oh, All the things we're oh, up and down boy. on. Well, on the way here to work today, I drove on a traffic circle. And I was going to tell you guys, maybe this is a hot take, but I'm way up on traffic circles. I don't <laughs> like... The roundabouts? St- yeah, roundabouts. Roundabouts, I don't yeah. like stopping at red lights. I like... <laughs> Give me some more keep roundabouts. Keep moving. Keep moving. <laughs> let's build more roundabouts. So I add that to the list, Jake, yes. when you get the chance that I'm way up on roundabouts. But uh, maybe Jake could buzz through a few of our up and oh. down lists. Again, there's no context here, but it all it's started a, in training camp. Regular, we're very high on the Minnesota State Fair. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, Mark Rosen, your host. And I swear I did not get laryngitis by yelling at my TV screen over the weekend with the Gophers and the Vikings, but rather the remnants of a cold. So, Kirk... I'm going to have you talk a lot tonight. Well, let's do that, then. Um, they all count the same, but in the wake of a very frustrating loss in Kansas City last week, the 28-24 win in Dallas, is this the type of win which can really directly lead you to playing meaningful games in December? Yes, this is. This was a big win. Um, I haven't been a part of too many of these types of wins. When you play a really good football team that will likely be in the playoffs on the road, they were clicking. I mean, they were playing good football, and uh, that was a – you know, in a great environment to play a football game, challenging one when you're on the road. But uh, Sunday night football uh, on the road, just a really, really big win for our team, mm-hmm. for our organization. And the mood in the locker room afterwards reflected that. We were thrilled to come out of there with a victory. And we, we really needed it, having lost to the Chiefs. You know, we couldn't afford to lose another step in the NFC North. And uh, the Packers are playing really good football right now. And to keep pace with them, we have to keep winning. And mm-hmm. with only one more week until the bye, we need to string a few together. So that was a huge win. Can't say it enough. And I was really proud of our team. You guys fought your b****s off tonight. Okay? You fought your b****s off. It wasn't always pretty. There was a lot of good shit though, right? Fourth and five stop uh, when they got the ball down in there. But the thing I'm most proud of is the way that we competed. If you compete like that every single day, We'll continue to get better, and we'll continue to win a hell of a lot of games, right? That's a hell of a team win now, fellas. That's a hell of a team win. All right, I'll see you at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. What? I'll see you Wednesday. Take us through the touchdown pass. The first one to Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. I'm watching it on TV like a lot of fans are going, don't throw it, don't throw it. Great throw, great play. Yeah. Cousins rolls up to the left. He can run if he wants. He's going to loop it back in the end zone, and it's caught touchdown! At the back of the end zone, Kyle Rudolph! Yeah, when I was watching the tape of it, I saw that um, I was leading him, but Sean Lee actually bumped him off, so he really wasn't able to get to the spot that I was throwing him to. And then he made up the difference with a one-armed catch or one-handed catch with keeping two feet in bounds. Really, the target was Hammer. You know, C.J. Ham in the mm-hmm. flat was really the the plan. And then I needed to attack the line of scrimmage and give the threat a run. I really didn't do that well enough. And then I realized, oh my goodness, I may be able to run here. So I started running, and then uh, Vanderesh came after me. And so then I said, oh, I'm not going to get there. <laughs> Flip my hips, and with Sean Lee's back yeah. turned to me, I felt like I could give Kyle a chance. But I didn't want it to be so far out in front of him. 
Uh, but he got bumped off a little bit and then just made a tremendous one-handed catch. Are you more impressed with the catch or the tiptoeing on the Both. line? Both. I, I think, you know, my eyes go to, first of all, you know, can he get his hand on it? And I know Kyle to have such special hands that really that didn't concern me. Once he got a paw on it, I thought, that's a catch. Now I my, my eyes went down to, but is he in bounds? And many times uh, defenders will push you mm-hmm. such that, you know, you would have stayed in bounds on your own, but you're getting pushed out. And so I was nervous about that, but to his credit, he's a polished veteran tight end receiver, and he got two feet in, and it was an unbelievable play. Your next, your next drive, 13 plays, 90 yards, yeah. over six minutes. It was a real combo platter of everything yes. that you put in the game plan that night. Yeah, to start fast was really important, and we started about as fast as you could, getting up 14 nothing with two long drives. Uh, we had seen statistically that the Dallas defense was about as good as anybody in the league in most every area. The one place where we thought – there might be some level of a chink in the armor was that um, when people had 10-plus play drives, they, they finished with a touchdown. And we thought that was interesting, that if you can stay on the field, convert third downs, and sustain, you tended to get all the way to, the, to, to pay dirt. And so um, that proved true on those first couple mm-hmm. of drives. And we converted some third downs. And um, you know the first drive had tremendous field position because of the missed field goal by the Cowboys. But then the second drive really had to drive the length of the field. And... Um, you know, that was big because when you're on the road, uh, to be able to kind of get out ahead and not mm-hmm. allow the crowd mm-hmm. and the momentum to start working against you, but to do the opposite, I think it makes the whole tenor of the game change. And against the Chiefs, we had such a slow start, it really made us feel like we were playing from behind most of the game. In this case, we felt like we had, you know, asserted ourselves early. And that third and goal, again, you went to your, your security blanket. You went back to Kyle. Cousins looking left, throwing left, and Jason Witten, but they're talking about Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, again, it was just a play call that uh, when it comes in, you know, we have a variety down there in the goal line and um, uh, came out of the play action fake. And again, CJ Ham was the focus in the flat, but they covered him well. And my eyes immediately went to Kyle on the corner route and near the back pylon, and he had separation. And so I just put it out there for him. But, uh, you know, good call by Kevin and uh, obviously a great play by Rudy. You got the ball to start the third quarter, um, down 21 to 20. Then you went on a 13 play, 75 yard drive, culminating with a fourth down touchdown run by Dalvin Cook. From just outside the one, toss right to Dalvin, turns it up to the end zone, touchdown! Dalvin Cook struts into the end zone. If you could kind of take us through that drive, because yeah. it was just a clinic you guys put on with your offensive linemen, putting a lot of those defensive linemen on the ground. Yeah, you just don't see that kind of dominance in the run game very much in the NFL to be able to run play after play after play. And somehow we found you know that momentum, and and uh, we were able to do it. But it did it did get interesting down there at the goal line. Alex, you know, we thought he had scored, and then they marked him down on the half yard right, line, right. and then we had a false start, and so we're backed up. And it's like, oh no, first and goal from the five is a lot more difficult than first and goal from the half yard line. So. It got interesting, gave down to a fourth down, but we got it. Great run by Dalvin, well blocked. We got a lot of people on the ground there, which helped. And um, that was a big drive because it chewed up a lot of clock. And as you could see from the Cowboys' offense, when they had the ball, they were moving it, and they were converting third downs left and right. So uh, we wanted to keep the ball out of their hands as much as we could and run the clock. And so to have the the ball for 12 minutes of the third quarter made a big difference. And uh, even in the fourth quarter, some of the drives we had that didn't come away with points, to be able to just churn clock and you know make them have to – run out of time made a difference. During the, during the course of the week, how much do you work on your two-point conversions? Kirk back to pass, throws back right in the end zone, and it is caught for the two by Kyle Rudolph, who has 
two touchdowns and a two-point conversion. Well, our two-point conversion menu, we have it on the on the call sheet so we know what, what is available to us. But they also are plays that we can run You know, when we're down there near the goal line, period, whether it's a mm-hmm. two-point conversion attempt or just a first, second, or third down play. And that was a play we had put in this week and felt good about it. And uh, certainly you feel good about it, not just because of the scheme, but because of Kyle Rudolph. You know, you understand that even if the defender doesn't buy the fake and is covering Kyle, you still have a you know 50-50 chance that it's a catch because of the way you can put the ball up to him, and that was pretty much what happened. Yeah, the last thing you wanted to see was have this thing come down to a Hail Mary pass. They had some shots of you on the sidelines. Helpless feeling. You're standing yeah. here. It's all you can do is wait and watch and see what happens. Well, I, I thought we played a really clean game offensively. When you have no turnovers, we converted a lot of third downs. We were pretty strong in the red zone. We made our field goals. Uh, we had long drives. We you know controlled the line of scrimmage. Um, so really positive, but it was frustrating that we didn't end the game on offense. You know, we wanted to end it with about four and a half minutes left to have a third down at midfield and not get it and end up having to punt back to the Cowboys. I thought that was really frustrating. And so um, that helpless feeling, we kind of did it to ourselves. You know, we want to be able to end the game and not be put our defense in that position. But uh, thankfully, they made an incredible couple of plays that, that made the difference. Dak fires a Hail Mary into the end zone. It's a massive jump ball and knocked away. And the Minnesota Vikings come up with a big W. You said after J. Ron's um, interception, look at uh, people talk about oh, yeah. can Kirk win the night game? Can he do that? There's so many boxes you have to check, apparently, yeah. in order to convince people that. Yeah. I mean, it's about wins and losses at the end of the day, so I get it. I understand that people don't watch the game to see, you know, if so and so played well or not. They watch the game to see did the Minnesota Vikings win or lose. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, the quarterback and the Minnesota Vikings become one and the same. And and uh, and so if the Vikings lose, then the quarterback must have played terribly. And if the Vikings win, then the quarterback must have played well. And the, the point I wanted to make was if J. Ron doesn't intercept that Hail Mary and the Dallas Cowboys catch it, it didn't change the way I played. And I'm not going to then evaluate my performance mm-hmm. based on a final result. I'm going to evaluate my performance for what it was. It was positive for the most part. There were a couple plays I'd like back. And I'm going to look at it whether we won or lost. I'm going to look at it and grade it critically the same way and not allow a final result to skew the narrative. And obviously that usually isn't good enough for people on the outside, but that's not how I'm going to evaluate it. And so I just wanted to make that clear after this game and after every game. You know, it should be evaluated the way it needs to be and and no different. We'll be right back with our guests of the week, Vikings quarterback Sean Mannion and Jake Browning on Under Center with Kurt Cousins. Welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. I'm your host, Kirk Cousins. Uh, Mark Rosen is with me here, but uh, he's come down with a little bit of a uh, laryngitis, and so we're uh, we're working with a man down, and we got we got to make it work. So uh, I'm gonna have to carry this thing a little bit, which should be interesting. So uh, I have some great guests with me today. Uh, we got the quarterback room represented in here, Jake Browning and Sean Mannion. I've been wanting to get these guys in here to have a conversation with them and let. Uh, those listening to get to know them a little bit, as I have over the last several months. Uh, both of them are great guys and great quarterbacks with bright futures. But uh, uh, last night, or I should say Sunday night, uh, when Coach Zimmer uh, gave us the final uh, speech after the game, he said, see you Wednesday. And so sometimes uh, it can be hard to find people around the building who want to come in and and uh, and and come on the podcast. So these Two guys, Sean and Jake, were kind enough to join me after we watched the film of the game. So uh, 
first of all, guys, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. Uh, Sean, let's start with you. You uh, Well, really, you guys have very similar backgrounds, both from NorCal, different places, but NorCal. Yep. Both Pac-12 guys. Both started four years. Yep. A lot of football in the Pac-12, record setters, a lot of wins. Uh, but, Sean, let's start with you. Talk about um, your journey and, and growing up in the San Jose area and then uh, kind of your process to get to Oregon State. Yeah, no, I um, I grew up in the, in the East Bay, in the Bay Area, um, you know, my dad was a football coach my whole life. So, um, you know, I get, I've been asked a lot about that kind of in the past and what that was like. And I thought, you know, really it was just exposure to the game. You know, um, being a kid, you just want to spend time with your dad. And mm. for me to get to go and be at all his practices and be on the sideline during games, I think it's really, um, you know, that was the thing that I think really stood out was just being around the game from a young age and just kind of falling in love with it. And then uh, obviously from a football standpoint it was great to develop as a young player and you know I got to play a lot in, in high school and um, I know for me um, being in Cal you know being growing up in the Bay Area um, my goal was to really want to play in the Pac-12 you know I grew up watching Cal mm, and Aaron right. Rodgers and um, you know I remember Kyle Bowler and all the great running backs yeah. at Cal so to me Pac-12 football was a was a major goal for me and um, you know I was recruited by you know a few Pac-12 schools UCLA and Washington State and obviously Oregon State and um, you know, throughout the recruiting process, I just fell in love with Oregon State. Coach oh. Riley at Oregon State was, uh, he's just a tremendous, tremendous guy and tremendous coach. And, you know, I kind of just fell in love with it. And, uh, you know, they were my only offer, but, you know, when they offered, it was, you know, what am I yeah. waiting for? This you is where I want to be. It. So just so jumped on it. With your dad as a high school coach, was he a high school coach as long as, as you can remember? I mean, you were around football practice when you were five, six, seven years old. Yeah, yeah. As long as as long as I can remember, he's still coaching. Uh, my family now lives in in Oregon, um, so they uh, they won their first uh, playoff game last week. Uh, my brother's a starting quarterback at at, at the school now. Which is and, awesome. Uh, but yeah, no, my whole life he's just he's always been coaching. So it's like I said, just exposure to the game from such a young age was great. What kind of offense did your dad run with you when you were in high school? Was it like a spread? Were you throwing the ball a ton? Was it balanced? He, he likes to pound it. He likes to oh, pound the rock. Oh, he does, even, oh, with, yeah. even with his son's <laughs> playing quarterback. Yeah. yeah wow. Kind of contrary to uh, to maybe our skill set in some ways. But, uh, no, he uh, he's a big ball control guy. He's wow. A, he loves if he can run the same play over and over and over again with success. That, that's He's way <laughs> up on that. Oh, very gratifying. So was the dream to go to Cal, watching Aaron Rodgers and some of those big names? and what they were doing was the dream to go there and when they didn't offer you know you kind of had to look elsewhere or uh were you not that tied to Cal you know what I think if you had asked me um you know when I was a freshman or sophomore in high school I probably would have said yes but I think as the recruiting process began um it opens your eyes to many different parts of the country and your your knowledge of football grows and your knowledge of other programs grow so I wouldn't say I was too you know too tied to yeah. Cal I think that was just you know, right by where I it was 20 minutes right. from where I grew up. So, um, you know, you followed all those games as a kid. Yeah. Um, but then once you get recruiting and once coaches start coming to the school and get to know people and get to know other programs, you realize there's there's so many great places to play football. And um, from that point, you're really just looking for the best opportunity, regardless yeah. of, you know, prior allegiances or anything like that. Yeah. Now, Jake, for you, uh, coming from Folsom, California, near Sacramento, you were the Gatorade Player of the Year twice. Yeah. So you're a pretty decorated high school player. Yeah, we um, threw the ball a lot. We were, we were the opposite. We threw, <laughs> you aired it out. We threw the ball pretty much the whole first half, and then we'd wow. usually just run the ball the whole second so half. So the stats were there. Yeah. Now, like 
like Sean, you pretty much had the one Pac-12 offer and then took it and never looked back, right? I mean, you weren't making a bunch of visits, didn't yeah. didn't wait around for 50 offers. You just kind of took your, your UW offer and went to Washington. Yeah, I, I had a uh, couple of other offers in the Pac-12 and some random ones. Like I had Oklahoma State. I had an Alabama offer. Did but you I, really? I think if I would have committed, they wouldn't have taken me, right? They're wow. like, hey, let's – Let's pump the brakes. Like we want to get to know you first, but that's kind of a nice feather in your cap, though, to say Nick Saban yeah. offered me a scholarship. Yeah, I talked to him once for two minutes. Good he gave me the, that. The, the spiel, and that was it. And I never heard from him ever again. <laughs> you played against him. Yeah, played against him, and yeah, I don't think he could have told you even. You know, I, I think it was one of those. Let's throw this out there in case we, worst case scenario. But but yeah, I had had uh, had the Washington offer and and knew Coach Pete from uh, from Boise pretty well. And so, like Sean, I grew up watching the Pac-12. Yeah. You know, I'm. I remember crying when USC lost to, to Texas. <laughs> the Rose Bowl. I didn't know what to do with myself. Uh, so I wanted to play in the Pac-12, and so when Coach Pete uh, bounced over to, to UW, it kind of seemed like the best best of both worlds. I really liked him as a coach, but yeah. but also got to play in the Pac-12. Both of you guys played for really good head coaches in college. You yeah. know, Mike Riley, former NFL head coach, knew mm-hmm. and understood quarterbacking, and then obviously Coach Peterson, well-respected, has had a lot of good quarterbacks come through his system. So yeah. both of you guys were smart to go play for good coaches. and. You in high school tied a national record with 91 touchdowns in a season. Yeah. How many games is that? 16. I don't know the math on that, Mark, but uh, that's a lot of touchdowns yeah, that's per a game. Lot. Yeah, we've got some crazy stats. I think I have the most just touchdown passes in, in the country as far as like career. That's kind of like, like a pretty cool flex to be like you know like the 15,000 kids a year who play quarterback was, at their high school was, uh, like Maddie, I have the most Maddie touchdown Mock. passes ever yeah Matty Mock was the guy that had the record I wow. think I, I broke it and then two weeks later he got kicked out of Missouri so it was you know <laughs> <laughs> did you get a plaque or anything from anybody I mean it's no, this, the high the, schools the are local, so divided among states they don't really have like a national thing to yeah. say hey nice job yeah the local guy <laughs> that ran like the sign sore like literally made a sign that said whatever the number was, and and then that's all I had. <laughs> that's awesome. So you guys both go to the Pac-12, and you were you never crossed paths, right? In terms of mm-hmm. you, it were drafted before Jake even arrived at UW. Yeah. But uh, Sean, talk about your journey to Oregon State. You redshirted one year, and then basically started for four. Yeah. So I redshirted. Um, I redshirted, and um, that was a great growing, you know, growing year for me. You know, um. Just just developed a lot, and then come the come the following year, you know the previous quarterback Ryan Katz had had been hurt and kind of missed some time in spring ball, and I was able to get more reps. I think which showed, is huge. Yeah, huge. Yeah, and I think um, I was, you know in that time I was able to show the show the coaches what I could do and show the kind of strides I had made throughout the year. And um, you know at the start of the year I, I was getting you know some playing time in the game. I think by the maybe the the second or third game um, they named me the starter and. You know that was that was awesome. To get to play, you know, as a freshman is is rare. Um, so I I, wow. I said to myself, I'm going to get you know the chance to play a lot of football, and I just want to take and run with it and yes. do the best I can do. Now you started probably what 50 plus games in in college. Yeah, I mean, I think it was around 40. I got hurt my sophomore year. Um, I had uh, you know knee surgery mid season, and then the rest of the year we were kind of going back and forth. Gotcha. Um, and then, yeah, my junior year, senior year, I started started every game. So, I, yeah, probably around 40 starts, something like that. And at the time you left Oregon State, before being a third-round pick to the Rams, you were the all-time passer in the yeah. Pac-12. Yeah, I, I, hold the, I held the uh, Pac-12's yardage, yardage leader. Which is, I mean, again, like 
pretty cool flex to be like, you know, Pac, Pac 12, like some of the names, you know, Matt you know, Liner, Matt Liner, <laughs> Dan Fouts. Like, there's some names here. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Luck, you yeah. know, I, I threw LA. for more yards than any of them in a career in the Pac 12. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it was a cool, uh, it was a cool accomplishment. I, I think I broke the record against Cal, too, which is kind of... Yeah, uh, how, so how uh, late in the season did you break it? Was it like coming out of the end where you're like, hey, Coach Riley, make sure I can <laughs> throw the ball here? No, I think, you know, I I returned for my senior year, and I think I was around 1,200. And um, so I think it was maybe, you know, four or five four or five games in, maybe. I, I'm not remembering exactly, but part, you know, halfway through the year, probably roughly, is when I broke it. Wow. And uh, Jake at UW, talk a little about a little bit about your journey. You didn't redshirt, which no. I, I have a hard time getting my mind around. So I come from no Holland, Holland Christian High School, no. go to Michigan State. I'm praying that they redshirt me, <laughs> right? I mean, I have no chance. I'm not ready to go. I go to the scout team. I need a year. Even spring ball the following spring, which I knew was my time to start to take another step. That still was like that was when I was really kind of getting ready to go. But you pretty much, I mean, you were in a competition your first training camp, but at the end of it, it was, hey, you're going to go at 19 years old or whatever it was. Yeah. Talk about just your confidence level and, and that whole process. Yeah, well, I mean, I was, I was pretty confident coming out of high school, as I think <laughs> after most, 91 after, touchdowns after in most the uh, high school guys are. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I thought coming out of high school, I felt like I had a huge advantage just because my high school coach did play in the NFL for, you know, about – Three or four years, and had coached for a really long time. So you were doing some things from a drill yeah. standpoint. I mean, we showed up to every game in high school. We showed up to every game in high school. Like we were prepared, like a college team. Like in Folsom, wow. the whole junior program. Like, yeah. There's there's five teams. If four of them don't win the championship, that's like a down year. Wow. And then you know we start practicing January sixth, and like wow. I never took a PE class. I played football. We had football yeah. class. So you were ready to go. So I was way. ready to go, and yeah. I left high school early. So. uh we played in the state championship in December, and then I was I was at UW January third, and wow, just uh, you know started learning the playbook and all that, and I thought I had pretty good study habits coming from the the high school program I did, but uh, yeah, I remember I went through the same thing getting getting there for that first uh, spring practice. I threw like five picks. Buda Baker picked me off three times. <laughs> I think it was two out of my first three passes. Yeah, there were a lot of good DBs at, at UW. Yeah, yeah, so we got we got worked. Uh, most of spring ball but I felt like I kept kept getting better and was in a competition with two other guys and so uh you know was able to able to start as a as a true freshman which was definitely a trial and error period you're not really watching anyone else make mistakes you're learning them all on your own and and dealing with all those that you know at the same time as you know I'm I'm a freshman in college and, and dealing with uh you know there weren't very super high expectations but we're fighting to make a bowl game, and you know I think that whole freshman year there was a lot of other guys that that played early as true freshmen. My left tackle right. was a true freshman, running back, our best receiver, and so uh, you know I think we struggled through that year, but kept battling and thought we had something special. And then my sophomore year was kind of that weird. was a monster year. That's where it all kind of came yeah. together and took off, and and uh, and yeah, so you know I, I had a great time at UW. We won a lot of games and. You were fifth in the Heisman your sophomore year, was it? Yeah, yeah, I was one away from being able to go to New York. Oh man! Wow. And the Not reward, cool. my so, sister was pissed. Really cool. <laughs> so, so when he's a sophomore, the reward for having the year they had, winning the Pac-12, was to get to play Alabama. <laughs> well, I had a similar reward when I was a junior in college. We went eleven and one. Had one of those, you know, memorable seasons for Michigan State where you're going eleven and one. And the reward was you get to play Alabama in your bowl game. <laughs> That's the reward. And right? He yeah, and yeah, I yeah. both had the same experience. Yeah. It was not 
good. Yeah. We so we we go down the first drive against Alabama. We're up seven to zero, and I'm like, we're about to beat these guys. <laughs> I, I threw an interception on our first drive. So. <laughs> <laughs> we threw a uh, yeah, we threw a touchdown in the back of the end zone, and then that that was it. <laughs> wow. We kind of anchored it down, and uh, yeah, that was one of the I think. Still to this day, I think everybody that touched the field for them on defense went in the first, yeah, second, same or for third me. round. All the names are guys who are probably going to wear yeah. gold jackets someday. And I, uh, it's just, it's just, <laughs> yeah. You look back and you just chalk that up to, hey, sometimes you step out there and they have better players and yep. and uh, they get they get you beat. We were uh, people asking, oh, was it like playing Alabama? And the, the line I use is, I say, you ever seen Space Jam? <laughs> <laughs> it's like going against the Monstars, but you don't have Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, that's really what it was. So you, I'm glad you shared that experience. Oh, with it was, me. it was brutal. I I remember going into it everybody expected us to win too because it was you know we were, we, were a great year. we had a great year and we were, we had one loss and we, we were really good on defense they weren't necessarily great on offense but it different deal. it didn't matter yeah different <laughs> deal well between us i'm doing the math there's probably about 150 combined college starts right yeah. here which says something to get you know three guys to have played that much college football yeah. um so talk a little bit about now going from college to the nfl Again, different experiences for each of us. And and when you follow football, all you really hear about are the top 10 picks or the first rounders and kind of their process. But you were a third rounder. I was a fourth rounder. Jake went undrafted. And uh, as I've gotten into the NFL and lived this career out, you realize how many players are undrafted end up having an impact on the league. And, uh, and, and once you get your foot in the door, it really doesn't matter where you were picked. You just got to go play and show what you can do at practice every day. And, and if you do that, you'll, you'll stick around. So talk about, Sean, your journey, being a third-round pick, going to L.A., kind of the whole process of the coaching staff you had and then Sean McVay coming in and, yeah. and that whole journey. Yeah, no, I was, so I was drafted, and um, you know, I wasn't really sure what the circumstances were going to be. I know the team, um, the Rams had just traded for Nick Foles, and he was the guy. Um, so I wasn't really sure kind of where I fit into the equation. Um, you know, and and, and at times, you know, is it hard to not necessarily get chances to play? Sure. Of course, everybody wants to play, you know, everybody in this league wants, wants an opportunity to get to play. But, um, I think what I tried to focus on, you know, from the start is just, Hey, just focus on, on your game and, and, and try to be kind of blind to the circumstances. Um, you know, I think ultimately if the approach I took was if I just focus on getting better day by day, then it'll all work out in the end. And, you know, there are certain things that you just, you know, the bottom line is you have no control over. Um, so I think it's just trying to focus on, you know, doing the best that you can every day to work on your game. And, you know, I played four years with the Rams and, you know, the first two with Coach Fisher in L.A. And then, um, like you said, Coach McVay came in um, my last two years there. And, you know, I, I enjoyed my time all four years in L.A. Met, yeah. Made a ton of great friends and, um, you know, learned a ton, and um, it was a great experience. But, uh, yeah, you know, I just, you know, I think I just really focused on, hey, how, how can I get better each day and, and kind of try to be blind to, to circumstances sure. that you, you, you can't control. Yeah, which is a smart approach. I know um, there is so little you can control, and so to start worrying about all that other stuff, yeah. it'll just drive you nuts, Mark. And so uh, it's, a, it's a great approach and, and one that I've taken, he's taken, Jake will, will take as we go forward. But, uh Jake, talk a little bit about your rookie year, how it's been going, um, even the process for you of going to the combine and waiting to hear your name called and then trying to figure out where to go because when the draft ends, the power kind of switches to the player. Yeah. And now it's it's teams start recruiting you and yeah. saying, hey, would you come play for us? We're looking for people to fill out our roster. Yeah. What I, what I don't think people realize when you go on drafted or when you know a lot of teams think you're going to go on drafted is you're more busy on 
draft on the third draft day than anyone getting drafted that day. I mean, well I got said. probably 50 to 60 phone calls just because people call you and say, hey, you know, who have you talked to? You've all blah, blah. Yes. you got to kind of play that game with, well, do I want to say I talked to these people or, you know, do I lie and say, <laughs> <laughs> do I, you know, kind of, because you have a little more power, kind of. Yep, yep. Uh, and so, you know, for me, I, I think what I focused on was, uh, I didn't lie at all. I told everybody <laughs> who I talked to. Good step. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I wanted a, a place where I felt like I could come in and, and learn a lot in a system that I felt like I, uh, I fit into. Uh, you know, I didn't want to go necessarily go back up Patrick Mahomes because there's a lot, you know, a lot of things that he does that are just unique that, you know, I probably can't emulate. And that's just, that's just how it is. I think a lot of us feel that way. Um, but I wanted to come into a system where I felt like I could be uh, developed and have a chance to learn a lot. Obviously, having these two guys here uh, has helped and just trying to absorb as much as I possibly can. And, uh, you know, I never had a redshirt year. So this is, this is kind of yeah, a little bit, a of, a little bit of a redshirt yep. year where I can actually think like, okay, here's where I want to be, you know, six months from now. Whereas Kirk has to think like, here's where I need to be on Sunday and the following Sunday and the following Sunday. For me, it's like, well, I can kind of put my body into more of a deficit to, you know, grow or, or to, uh, you know, I can push myself a little bit more and I can be tired on Sunday because yeah. it's like, you know, I'm I'm writing down the plays on a clipboard. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it doesn't really matter yeah. as much. So you can kind of have more long-term goals than I've ever really been able to. And so I've uh, been doing that and then just absorbing as much as I can for everybody. Yeah. These two guys, obviously, but even, you know, just random people, you're in much more of an observer role. And I've never been in that. Which is tough, right? Going from high school to college. I yeah. mean, all you know is playing and playing in significant games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Sean said, everybody wants to play, but, you know, I, don't, I have no control over that. So it's so now it's how can I learn from everybody that's yeah. around me and, and yeah. absorb from, you know, things I like that, that people do or don't like or kind of you can yep. – you're in much more of an observer role than you, well, than you would I, even think. I tell Jake it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, this career, people want everything to happen so fast. I mean, Sean in quarterback years in year five is still kind of young, you know, and, and there's something to be said for knowing that he mm-hmm. still has a lot ahead of him. We'll be right back with more from Sean Mannion and Jake Browning on Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Let's hear more from Sean Mannion and Jake Browning. Take a peek behind the curtain a little bit of what you guys do um, for me and for Clint. As you know, Clint puts you to work. <laughs> Just talk a little bit about your roles because, I, I mean, I'll, I'll you know, certainly toot your horn and all the help you give me, but talk a little bit about your rhythm of just what it looks like to, to say, hey, don't know if I'm going to play on Sunday or not, uh, but here's my rhythm, here's my things I need to do, here's some side products that Kirk isn't even doing. That as as the guy backing up, I'm going to do and go above and beyond to help get them ready. Talk a little about that, Sean. I'll start with you. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the the cliche is you know prepare as if you're the starter, and I think that's a that's a great approach to take. I think a lot of it um, for me is just trying to get a good feel for the scheme, get a, try to get a good feel for the opponents, and how are their coverages playing, stuff like that. So. Um, you know, obviously you start off by watching games and you dive a little deeper, you know, trying to watch it, you know, how do they play certain formations or what adjustments do they make to motions and, and shifts and stuff like that. Um, so I think it's just trying to, you know, dive a little bit deeper each day. You know, um, today's Monday, you know, coming off a great win last, last night. So now it's just starting, hey, let's just watch a couple games, get a, get a kind of a general feel for, you know, what, what is Denver doing? And yep. I think you know tomorrow and subsequent days, it's okay. Let's see. Let's take a real close look at their coverages. What adjustments do they make to formations or motions? What kind of tells can we get? How can we attack 
Um, they're different coverage rules. Um, so I think you kind of dive day by day. And then I know, like Kirk said, we're all in there together, you know, all day, every day, pretty much. And, you know, for me, I think what's productive is, is as I'm preparing, I think it's helping Kirk. And as yeah, Jake's right. preparing, I think it's helping, you know, all of us. Um, and to me, I think a lot of the best preparation is just comes from, you know, me and Jake, Kirk, asking good questions, you know, because, you know, like they say, if someone's thinking it, um, someone else is probably too. So um, I think it just comes from a lot of, the, you know, the great study, I think, comes from just the back and forth conversations right. in there about different concepts right. or how can we attack this coverage or right. how have you seen this read before? Or, you know, well, how do you like your feet on this play? I think the back and forth that goes on in there is really um, as productive as anything, really, because I think we're all bouncing things off each other. And, you know, obviously Kirk's played a long time in this league. So for me, it's great to just kind of hear his thoughts on a, on a scheme that maybe he's run and I, I've never seen before. I think I think those are really productive yeah. conversations throughout the week. Well, some of the things that Sean does throughout the week, so like early in the week, he will suggest plays to the coaches. And there are times where Sean, we'll get in Wednesday morning, and Sean will say, what did you have for the coaches? And I'll be like, I didn't really give him anything. And he'll be like, I gave him these three or four plays. And I'll be like, those are good ideas. <laughs> you know, let's let's get those in, and and I'll make sure if they're not in, I'll go to bat, and hopefully, yeah. you know, I can get them in. And so, um, it's almost like he's an assistant quarterback coach. I mean, we have a quarterback coach, but there's some value he's bringing uh, from that standpoint. And then he also like Clint, you know, makes them throw early in the week since they didn't throw on Sunday. Technically, I mean, they threw, but they weren't playing. Yeah. He makes them come in and get extra throws while I'm able to just chill and relax uh, on, on on a light day. Um, and at the end of the week, Sean has to go and get an extra game that was not in our breakdown, maybe going back a year or multiple years, and he breaks it down and pulls plays from it, makes a cut-up, and then one of the last meetings we have before the game is watching that film that he's made and prepared and kind of talk through it. So uh, those are some of the extra projects that, uh, that a, a reserve quarterback gets. But um, even just like you said, the dialogue we have post-practice, you know, we mm-hmm. go back, watch the film of practice, and it's, Sean, what do you think there? You know, what do you see? Uh, how did you do it in L.A.? You know, and, and even you know, when you played for a team that went to a Super Bowl and was one of the best offenses in the league and, and the starting quarterback was going to Pro Bowls, to say, hey, you guys have played Seattle. You guys beat Dallas in the playoffs. You know, what, what are you doing against them, and how can we copy that? And so, like I said, an assistant quarterback coach, in a way, in addition to being the, the number two. So it's a, um, it's a pretty cool dynamic and is a huge help to me. Now, Jake... You're probably getting worked more than anybody. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the weekly rhythm for you. Yeah, so I'm here pretty much every morning at six doing the the P squad lift. Body, <laughs> they by, want him to get bigger. Body by Chaz. Get in there with yeah. Huey. Chaz, Chaz Maley is our strength coach that works out the quarterbacks. And yeah, so, so I'm fighting I'm fighting genetics pretty much every morning at six a.m. <laughs> and uh, and so then we go into quarterback meetings uh, I, on Thursdays and Fridays. Um, I draw up every single third down and red zone play with the route depth, the route name, the read, drop, all that stuff. And then uh, I'm, I'm here with, with them uh, until late, do all the throwing after practice. Not a ton of reps during practice, but uh, you know, try to learn a lot and, and ask Kirk kind of what he was thinking on different stuff. And you know, it's really nice having a guy like Kirk who you, you feel okay asking you know, hey, what were you thinking on that one? Just because, I mean, for me, it's like if I'm ever in that situation, I want to know what, what he was thinking or, you know, it's just it helps be in a, uh, to observe when you feel like you can – there's open dialogue. But I don't think that's how it is everywhere because, you know, I do know a lot of other uh, other uh, P-Squad guys and there's there's not that, that open dialogue. But, 
for me, it's it's a lot of lifting weights, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of true r- red shirt year, a lot yeah. of running <laughs> and drawing and drawing. And dra- He's got to draw a uh, lot of plays. And then I, and then I make a, a DB cut up. Uh, so whoever we're going to play, I'll I'll make a cut up of all the uh, pass attempts. I'll go through a cut up of all the pass attempts at them throughout the year, and then uh, kind of cut them up and be like, you know, here's what I think about this guy. Talk to the scouts. Uh, about what they think about the, the team coming in and the, and the DBs, and that's been pretty unique because I've uh, I've never really thought about what a DB is like in transition, but per- <laughs> apparently they're all not good in transition. <laughs> the key to Jake's with all these projects, and, and John Gruden used to say this to me, is you got to learn the league, man. <laughs> and Jake's learning the league oh, yeah. one week at a time. Yep. But, uh, you know, I, before we go off, I have to mention we have a, uh, a list in the quarterback room. We call it the up-down list. <laughs> and uh, just throughout the offseason, throughout training camp, throughout the season, we'll just make a comment like, man, I'm, I'm way up on <laughs> – I'm way up on you know this play this week, or I'm I'm down on this play. I don't like it. Well, then that turned into just let's make a list. So Jake is our scribe. He's got a list in front of him here. Oh All the things we're oh up and down boy. on. Well, on the way here to work today, I drove on a traffic circle, and I was going to tell you guys, maybe this is a hot take, but I'm way up on traffic circles. I don't <laughs> like the roundabouts. St- yeah, roundabouts. Roundabouts. I don't yeah. like stopping at red lights. I like <laughs> give me some more keep roundabouts. Moving. Keep moving. <laughs> let's build more roundabouts. So I add that to the list, Jake, yes. when you get the chance that I'm way up on roundabouts. But uh, maybe Jake could buzz through a few of our up and oh. down lists. Again, there's no context here, but it all it's started a, in training camp. Regular, we're very high on the Minnesota State Fair. We're up on way the Minnesota on State it. Fair. Way the way Ocean's uh, Trilogy, the movies. The Ocean's movies we're yeah. up on. Uh, local news. We're up on local news. Chad Beebe's Honda Accord. <laughs> Amen. Amen. To you that. know me. I, I'm, I love I'm pretty Honda. Close, though. I got a Nissan Maxima. Got How's my... that handle in the snow? Better than Sean's truck. Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> this is true. true. A couple, a couple days ago, I was sliding all over. <laughs> it's a lighter vehicle with front wheel drive. Yeah. So we're going to keep adding to that up down list yeah. as we go, but uh, we've done a nice job as, as things come up. It all started when I said I was down on Europe. And, and Sean looked at me and he said, that's like too vague. You can't just be down an entire continent. And you're up on Omaha. Yeah, I'm up on the city of Omaha. Those are the so. first two. One of my favorite additions on the list is we're up on lists itself. The concept of lists is on the up-down list. That's we're right. up on them. That's right. I'm trying to see if there's any other good ones. Well, you can, you can think about it while I go on. So Sean, we found out, has the highest Wonderlic score on the team. So you can imagine the, uh, the benefit that is to have that kind of mind in the room. I don't know um, about that. <laughs> big Trailblazers fan. Big yes. Portland Trailblazers fan. He's considering a season ticket package this offseason. Looking into it. Looking into, Looking it. into it right now. And uh, he's, a, he's a new homeowner. Yep. So uh, he's got a few home projects coming up this offseason Love home as well. projects. <laughs> way up on those. Yeah, I'm way down on those. <laughs> so so to be there needs to be a consensus for it to make the list. Yeah, it can't be exactly. any individual. Well, there's a couple. Like, like I'll put Kirk very passionate <laughs> 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 about different ones. Yeah. Uh, we're down on neutral site college football games. We want yeah, them to I want to see the campus. Team. I want to see the home stadium. I don't want to go play at the Cowboys Stadium. That's uh, not college football. We're down on the arms race of college facilities. Where does it end, Chris? <laughs> Mark, where does it end? We're just going to keep asking for more donations and just keep there's, going. There's literally probably, what's 50 on the up there's, and 50 on the down. It stayed really balanced. <laughs> it stayed really we're balanced. Equally some, negative and positive. There's been some waves. There's been some very negative times where the negatives are, are, are yeah. piling on. And right. then there's some very positive times where the positives are. It's just the, the ups and downs of the season, though, really. Well, as you can see, Mark, these guys are awesome. It's a great quarterback room, which makes a big difference for me. Uh, and hopefully the listeners got a feel for a while. They are 100% professional athletes, players. 
They also have to be part psychologist with me, part coach. <laughs> I mean, I'll come off the field like in the Cowboys game if after an incomplete pass or a missed third down. And, you know, I, I'm kind of looking at them for what were your thoughts? What did you see? What do you think? How are we doing? And so they kind of have to play that psychology game a little bit and keep keep us in it. And uh, and so it's been an awesome room, and I'm, I'm excited to uh, hopefully be able to work with these guys for a long time and see where their careers go. I'd like to see them. I'd like to see there be 150 pro starts, Ooh. you know, with these guys as well, <laughs> not just college. So uh, hopefully those days are ahead of us. But thanks so much for coming on, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks for having and, us. Uh, Thank you. Let's uh, go get the Broncos. All right, Kirk, I'm playing hurt getting through this one hey, here. you are. You're um, doing you know, it, though. <laughs> I don't Proud want Eric Sugarman working on me here. Uh, Denver here on Sunday. Chance to go to 8-3 and three before the bye week. Uh, is that going to be the point of emphasis yes. all week? Because this you have to win all of your home games, flat out. Yes. Well, it certainly puts you in a better position when you win your home games. You you know, steal a couple on the road, and you're right there at 10 wins already. So... You know, that's a big ask to say, hey, win all your home games. You know, they don't just snap your fingers and have that happen. Um, you know, Vic Fangio, their head coach, was the defensive coordinator with the Bears last mm-hmm. year. We all know the success that the Bears defense had last year against the league, but also against us. And so scheme-wise, tremendous respect for Vic Fangio and what he does. Uh, big-time names in the Denver defense. Von Miller. You think about what they yeah. can do. Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, uh, Chris Harris. I mean, the list goes on and on. Justin Simmons. There's some players on that defense, and they've been statistically – you know, ranked highly for years now, uh, have proven it time and again. So we're going to have our hands full. Um, we have played well at home this year, so we take comfort in being able to get back home after two weeks on the road. But, um, you know, this is – you throw the record out because I'm only looking at the defense, and I'm saying this defense is the real deal. And so for me, it's like going against a team that's a playoff team when it comes mm-hmm. to the defense mm-hmm. we're going to face. Well, when you think about uh, the number of one in seven teams that won on Sunday – Yes. I mean, they're playing. Great Atlanta's point. playing in New Orleans. Yes. Drew Brees is back, yet the Saints really not in it. So, a good indicator that you just can't take any team for granted under any circumstance. Well said. The Titans beat the Chiefs. The Dolphins beat the Colts. Yeah. Both those games, you know, were were uh, big wins for those teams. I mean, the, I believe the Dolphins did it on the road. And so, y- you play every game for what it is. You never know what's going to happen. And um, uh, again, this defense is a really good scheme with really good players, and we better be ready to go at home and uh the bye week is far more enjoyable coming from a guy who's who's had seven you know Mm -hmm. bye weeks in his Mm -hmm. career the bye week is far more enjoyable after a win or after a string of wins than it is after a loss so we got to get this one we we need to get this one that'll be the message all week long and if we do get this one it'll be a much better bye week yeah and speaking of the bye week the vikings are among the uh, the select teams this is the last week of the bye weeks okay are you okay with that yeah is it it never a bad time they say to have a bye week i love it being late i think that the thursday game is kind of a mini bye and so we liked the way it was spaced out you had uh when training camp ended we got a short little labor day weekend break and then you get right into the plan for week one and then we had about an eight game sprint to then our Thursday game, allowing us to have a, a bit of a time to catch our breath. And then you had this uh, three-game stretch, which then now takes us to the bye week. And then from the bye week, you have a five-game sprint to the to the end of the regular season. So I think it laid out really well for us this year schedule-wise, not to mention you know, not having to go to Lambeau or Chicago in, de- in late December. So um, we got a heavy dose of home games late in the year. I think the schedule makers, for the most part, did us some did us some favors, and um, we got to take advantage of it. Mike Zimmer, Mike Zimmer was rather animated after the game on Sunday, <laughs> to say the least, in the locker room. Uh, at the same time, having gone back to Dallas, he, he downplayed that much the way you did when you played Washington. Mm-hmm. But um, 
this team has everything it takes right now, do you feel, to make that run in the NFC? Well, I, I do think we have the pieces in place, but as you'll see, week to week, you just don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, we go into Kansas City and we don't get the job done when we really felt like we had the team to do it, we should have done it. You could say the same for our game, other two losses in Green Bay and Chicago. But then these other weeks, you know, we've we've played really good football and, and been able to, to beat good teams. So um, you really take each week and say we, we hit, you know, a clean slate, fresh start, and they have a fresh start too. And so you never know what's going to happen. And uh, you got to prove it each week. But yes, as I look around our roster, I say there are the pieces in place to be a playoff team and to win games in the playoffs, but it's just talk until you go do it. Having experienced the bye week a number of times, what um, what's important to you during that week to get refreshed? Yeah, I think it's important that uh, there's a change of scenery. I think it helps to, um, you know, catch your breath. Uh, and so for me, it usually involves, you know, we get away from the facility, get away from the, the daily rhythm and routine that we've had now for the season and uh, change the scenery, get around family um, and just rest. You know, a lot of sleep, a lot of uh, time just spent kind of reading, relaxing, catching up with my wife. And um, I think it's a time that we really cherish as NFL players uh, to catch our breath and then also understanding that, I need to be building myself up so that when we come back, we understand it's go time. It's the final stretch of the season. We got to be at our absolute best. And so, whatever your bye week needs to look like, so that when you come back, it's go time. Well, congrats on a big win. Thanks for uh, thank you, Mark, putting up with me uh, for my oh, voice. You sounded great. I, I You're promise good. I'll be 100 percent by uh, after <laughs> after next week's game against uh, the the Denver Broncos, of course, at noon at US Bank Stadium. You've been listening to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. 